This is the LexisNexis Torts and Personal Injury Law Center podcast, a summary of recent news stories from the pages of LexisNexis Mealy Publications, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. Iowa welder Curtis Cooley has prevailed in the sixth bellwether trial of the National Welding Fume Products Liability Litigation consolidated in the Northern District of Ohio. A jury recently awarded him $5 million in punitive damages and one and a quarter million dollars in compensatory damages after deliberating for close to two days. Cooley alleged the ESAB Group, Hobart Brothers Company, Lincoln Electric Company and BOC Group failed to warn him of the risks of manganese and welding fume and aided and abetted in the failure to warn of the risks. The jury also found that Cooley is 37% responsible for his injuries under the comparative negligence defense raised by the defendant companies. The compensatory damages award will be reduced to $787,000 if the jury judgment is affirmed. Trial began September 14th. Closing arguments were delivered October 2nd. The U.S. Supreme Court on October 5th denied a petition for review of two New York appellate court decisions vacating a deceased smoker's $20 million verdict. A New York County Supreme Court jury awarded Norma Rose and her husband $3.42 million in compensatory damages and said they were entitled to approximately $17 million in punitive damages. Norma Rose smoked from the time she was a teenager in the 1940s until 1993 when she quit. She was subsequently diagnosed with lung cancer and died during the course of the litigation. The Roses had sued Brown and Williamson, Philip Morris USA, and R.J. Reynolds, alleging that after development during the 1960s of light cigarettes, the tobacco companies should have stopped selling regular cigarettes altogether and sold only light cigarettes. A New York Appellate Division panel found the Roses' negligent design case was legally insufficient without evidence of a safer, feasible alternative design. It reversed the judgment and dismissed the complaint. The New York Court of Appeals affirmed, agreeing that the Roses failed to prove an essential element of their case, that regular and light cigarettes have the same, quote, utility, end quote. In a June petition for certiorari from the U.S. Supreme Court, the Rose family said the appellate court's decisions were based on the retroactive application of a new element of proof under New York product liability law, consumer acceptability, requiring that the safer alternatively designed product must have the same utility, be equivalent in function, and be as personally pleasing as the challenged product. None of the defending companies filed responses to the petition. The Supreme Court considered the petition at its September 29th conference. It denied certiorari without comment on October 5th. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Tobacco Litigation Publication Editor, Jerry Maddox. The Sherwin-Williams Company, which saw a jury hand down a $7 million judgment against it, said October 6th, that it would appeal the verdict on grounds that it is impossible that its paint contained lead and caused the injuries alleged by a Mississippi boy. In June, a jury awarded $7 million to a lead-poisoned boy who claimed that Sherman-Williams sold leaded paint that was used to paint his house, resulting in injuries. Shermaker Pollard sued Sherman-Williams, NL Industries, and several retail businesses on behalf of her son, alleging strict liability, negligence, fraudulent concealment, and misrepresentation. She alleged that companies were involved in selling lead-based paints. NL Industries and the local defendants were dropped from the case, and the claims continued against Sherwin-Williams based on the plaintiff's claim that the company's paint was used on the house in question.
spokesman for Sherwin-Williams said that the evidence presented at trial showed that the company had stopped manufacturing any residential paints with leaded ingredients by the end of 1972 and said it respectfully disagreed with the Jefferson County Mississippi Circuit Court judge's decision on October 5th that denied the company's motion for judgment notwithstanding the verdict. In a statement, the company said, quote, It is important to note that not one fully adjudicated case has held former manufacturers responsible. Throughout its history, Sherwin-Williams has been an industry leader in removing lead ingredients from paints and taking other steps to protect children from poorly maintained paint, unquote. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Lead Litigation Report Editor James Cordray. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission announced at the beginning of October that Target Corporation will pay a $600,000 civil penalty for alleged violations of the federal lead paint ban relating to children's toys. Target's agreement to pay the penalty, which has been provisionally accepted by the CPSC, resolves allegations that between May 2006 and August 2007, Target knowingly imported toys with paint or other surface coatings that contained lead above legal limits. The specific toys that were found to violate the law were cool toys products, anime bamboo collection games, happy giddy gardening tools, and sunny patch chairs. Target announced voluntary recalls of the toys October 1st and denied allegations that it violated the law. A U.S. bankruptcy judge in Virginia on October 1st approved the creation of a $12 million fund to settle claims brought by people who were sickened by a nationwide salmonella outbreak earlier this year. U.S. bankruptcy judge William Anderson of the Western District of Virginia agreed to approve the fund, intended to settle claims by consumers sickened by peanut butter and peanut paste, traced to Peanut Corporation of America. The tainted peanut butter was used in thousands of products, including candy, crackers, and cookies. The outbreak sickened more than 700 people nationwide with the same genetic strain of salmonella and has been linked to at least nine deaths. More than 100 lawsuits have been filed, with more expected. On January 17th, the FDA advised the public to avoid eating any product containing peanut butter. The FDA later released a report detailing numerous violations at Peanut Corporation of America's manufacturing plants in Georgia and Texas, and alleging the company knowingly released a product that could have been contaminated. The company declared bankruptcy in February. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mike Butler. Federal cases involving Iovate Health Sciences USA's weight loss product HydroxyCut, which was withdrawn from the market amid concerns about liver damage, have been consolidated in the Southern District of California by an October 6th order of the Judicial Panel on Multidistrict Litigation. The JPMDL said the allegedly defective HydroxyCut branded products were sold throughout the nation and that no single district stands out as a geographic focal point of the controversy. The order consolidates 16 cases from 12 U.S. courts before Judge Barry Ted Moskowitz. The JPMDL on October 1st created a multi-district litigation for federal lawsuits involving injuries allegedly caused by the use of Yaz and Yasmin in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Illinois. The panel rejected requests by plaintiffs and manufacturer Bayer Corporation to have the cases centralized in the Northern District of Ohio after concluding the Southern District of Illinois was a geographically central forum for the litigation. Plaintiffs allege the oral contraceptives caused them to suffer injuries such as deep vein thrombosis, pulmonary emboli, and gallbladder removal. Two health funds for Philadelphia workers in early October filed a class action lawsuit in federal court against the makers of Yaz, alleging the companies fraudulently and unlawfully marketed the oral contraceptive by overstating its safety and efficacy to increase sales. 
the Philadelphia Firefighters Local Union Number no. 22 Health and Welfare Fund, and the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees District Council 47 Health and Welfare Fund accused Bayer Healthcare Pharmaceuticals, Bayer Corporation, Bayer Healthcare, and Bayer AG of negligence, unjust enrichment, fraudulent misrepresentation, and RICO violations. The funds provide medical benefits and prescription drug coverage to active or retired employees of the City of Philadelphia and the City Fire Department. The funds complain that the companies use direct-to-consumer advertisements to fraudulently overstate Yaz's effectiveness, conceal and minimize the risks associated with the contraceptive, and promote the drug for unapproved, off-label uses such as anxiety, acne, premenstrual syndrome, moodiness, and fatigue. Specifically, the plaintiffs referred to a commercial run in 2007 called Not Gonna Take It and a 2008 commercial called Balloons. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Hormone Replacement Therapy Report Editor, Shane Dilworth. In a nearly five-month-old decision not revealed until late September, the New Jersey Supreme Court dismissed the appeal of a $4.5 million Vioxx verdict in light of the U.S. Supreme Court's preemption ruling in Wyeth v. Levine. In a one-page May 7 order, the state Supreme Court said that in light of the U.S. Supreme Court's decision that state tort failure to warn claims are generally not preempted by federal law, certification of the appeal by Merkin Company was improvidently granted, and the appeal was dismissed. The ruling let stand a $3 million compensatory verdict to John McDarby for pain and suffering and $1.5 million to his wife Irma for loss of consortium. It also let stand pre- and post-judgment interest. The action also preserves a 2008 decision by the New Jersey Superior Court Appellate Division to vacate $9 million in punitive and New Jersey consumer fraud damages as preempted by federal law. McDarby sued Merck, alleging that Vioxx, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, caused his heart attack. The verdict was handed down in 2006. After the appellate division ruling, Merck appealed to the state Supreme Court, which granted review in 2008, on the issue of federal preemption. Levine was handed down in March 2009. Although the state high court dismissed the appeal in May, the parties apparently were never told and were awaiting an argument date. Jerry Crystal of Weitz and Lutzenberg in New Jersey, one of McDarby's attorneys, said the dismissal was discovered by an unidentified Texas attorney who saw the appellate division ruling, cited in a brief, checked on its status, and found that an appeal had been dismissed. Crystal said the lawyer noted the dismissal in his brief, which Crystal learned about on September 24th. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Emerging Drugs and Devices Editor, Tom Moylan. The judge overseeing the Moisture Lock multi-district litigation in late September denied for a third time a refund class, noting changing testimony by two class representatives and unmanageable problems in determining class membership. Plaintiffs in the case, filed in the District of South Carolina, were seeking certification of a class of purchasers of Bausch & Lomb's Renew with Moisture Lock contact lens solution, alleging unjust enrichment and violations of consumer laws in 12 states. They say moisture lock causes fungal infections that can cause severe corneal damage, including blindness. Judge David Norton agreed with Bausch & Lomb that the proposed class is unascertainable because it would be virtually impossible to determine class membership, noting the court would have to make thousands of fact-intensive inquiries to determine class membership. In addition, Judge Norton cited the changing testimony of two class representatives regarding when they bought moisture lock 
and said those inconsistencies demonstrated how difficult it would be to verify facts about other putative class members. Moreover, he continued, quote, it's hard to fathom how thousands of unnamed putative class members could possibly provide credible testimony about their class membership more than three years after the fact when the proposed class representatives themselves have presented conflicting testimony that changed over time. The Lexus One Community where individual attorneys are going for free case law, the Lexus web search engine, free forms, and Mealy's Online. Get access to Lexus.com through research packages for the time you need without signing a long-term contract. Check out Emerging Issues Analysis, News, Blogs, The Download Center, the LexisNexis Store, and more. Lexus One, the online community and research resource for individual attorneys. www.lexusone.com this is the LexisNexis Torts and Personal Injury Law Center podcast. Visit the Torts and Personal Injury Law Center and all our communities at www.lexisnexis.com communities. The LexisNexis Tort and Personal Injury Law Center podcast was written by the editors of Mealy Publications, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. Copyright 2009 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis, total practice solutions. I'm Steve Bursler. Thank you for listening.